0: listening to teacher talk it supporting teachers parents and students worldwide www.teachertalkit.co.uk like subscribe and follow to stay in the know well i don't trust i'm the wrong i'm the wrong person to ask because i don't trust the gradings so i couldn't care less if somebody i couldn't care less if someone works in an inadequate or outstanding school I'm the wrong person to ask. When I see celebrations with balloons and stickers and everything about Ofsted grades, it drives me nuts. So I'm the wrong person to ask. Because I, <laughs> I, you could, you know, you can have you can have the best leader in the world working in an inadequate school. They have one dodgy inspection, and suddenly they they're there for five years working in a so-called rubbish school. We help teachers thrive and survive with classroom ideas, cutting-edge school resources and research-informed teacher training materials. You will also hear discussions on the policy, guidance and research-based publications. This week, listen to Ross McGill, founder of Teacher Talk it, interview Tom Rogers, history teacher, director of EduDate, Teachers Talk Radio and Teach Metacons. In today's podcast, some of the things we'll be discussing are how EduDate was created, How to Protect Yourself in Toxic Education Environments, and Highs and Lows on EduTwitter.
1: Hello everyone, this is Ross at Teacher Talk, the most influential blog on education in the UK today. Uh, I'm not biased, but I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Rogers, one of my Twitter mates, and I'd like to unpick uh, his brain. Uh, I I know a lot about his teaching experience, so I'll probably just, uh, we'll skim over that part just for people that might be new to Tom, uh, and we're going to unpick his work with teachers radio, dates. Uh, so if you're single and looking for love, stay tuned, and uh, <laughs> our views on toxic skills, and we'll we'll probably talk about Twitter at some point. Uh, so Tom, uh, thanks for your time. Uh, yeah, not too bad, not too bad, Ross. Uh, um, so let's start with, um, give, give us a little uh, historical overview of your teaching career to
0: date. Uh, well, just in a nutshell, uh, qualified two thousand. Uh, eight, PGC two thousand and seven, eight, and then since then I've I've worked as a teacher slash middle leader in ten nine or ten schools, um, for varying different lengths of time. My first school was five years. The next yeah. one was two and a half, and then two and a half. And then since then I've kind of gone for shorter term contracts. The last contract that I did was one year. And it was a part time mm-hmm. contract. That's as things that i've been doing on the side of got bigger or yeah um, so you yeah. did a, you've done some work international you have been spain and slovenia was it that's it so i did spain and i also did slovenia so spain first which was absolutely amazing um just probably all around the, the just the best best experience um mm-hmm. uh and then yeah went from there to slovenia
1: yeah and it wasn't such a good time was it for you no didn't. um right we'll, we'll we'll skip that chapter but um so you're in the northwest of england now uh manchester yeah or liverpool where are you
0: just moved to manchester from uh from liverpool so I was in liverpool moved to manchester so you know 14 years teaching
1: and you're dabbling with lots of different side hustles i suppose you, uh, you've got teacher's radio edgy date and we'll talk about a few other things but um Tell us, um, tell us about how EduDate started. Was it so? Was it your idea, looking for love, or, or was it a bit more
0: than that? <laughs> well, at the time, I was pretty depressed and, and pretty single, to be fair. Um, so I no, I mean, it didn't. Re- so well, in December 2019, I was like, I remember, I I kind of like was toying with the idea of. I I just was intrigued by this idea of setting up a speed dating event for. For teachers. I thought it was a yes. cool idea. Right. I thought it was, it would be fun. It would be a laugh. So in in December of 19, I was looking at like, uh, I was in Leicester at that time. I was teaching in Leicester. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, why don't I just run this event over Christmas? And then I was looking at some, a venue and whatever and whatever. And it never really materialized. But I kind of set up an event bright page as like a draft and whatever. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this would be cool. This would be. But it was uh, literally just going to be a laugh, really. Yeah. And then uh and then I kind of got distracted by other things. And then and then obviously the pandemic happened in the March. By that time I was teaching in Blackpool and it kind of got to the April or May or whatever it was. And and my contract in Blackpool was due to finish anyway in the June. Mm-hmm. Um so in the May, it was either the April or May, I was just like sat there and I thought, oh what about that speed dating idea that I had? But, like, let's do it virtual. Yeah. So I just, like, put out a tweet, as you do, and it was like, oh, why don't we do this, do this? And then it got a lot of interest. Okay. And um, and then I thought, okay, like, I'll, I'll make it a really simple speed dating format. And initially it was just people using WhatsApp. And then, obviously, um, it was a case of people would have these dates, people would match at the end of it, and... Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think the key to it was calling it EdgyDate because it was just funny. I think it, crea- it yeah, created no, so, it created. Mean,
1: uh, I'm, I'm flicking through the website now as we talk, and it's um, you know it, it, it says what it is on the tin, and you've got your three pound lucky dip and priority and all those types of things. So, um, how many people are dabbling with the dating
0: on your site? So, at the moment, there's so in total, there's five thousand people who have wow. signed up for edgy date. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, a lot of it, as with, I guess, I'm not an expert on online dating websites, but I would presume that the membership is intermittent because you've got people who are single and then they're not single and then they're single and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, in terms of active users, it's quite difficult to calculate that, but I would suggest that it would definitely be in the in the hundreds of people who are still engaging with EduDate um yeah, I on mean, a, again, on a regular basis, goal is you want to bring people as a platform
1: for teachers who might be looking for someone interested in education. But I guess if I'm a member for 10
0: years, it's not a good endorsement, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have got success stories in the sense of like, um, one member of Edgy Day contacted me, would have been about three, four months ago now, and said, Oh, we're expecting a baby, um, right. which Amazing. is quite exciting. And that, that baby's due, I think, next month. So, that's, well, that's interesting. A good
1: success story, yeah.
0: And then there's other ones who've moved in together. Who you know, other couples. Who I met a couple actually uh, for the first time face to face a couple of right. months back, and that was that was nice. Um, so are you doing all this yourself, or have you got a little team to help you? So at the moment, I've, well, I've been doing it completely on my own uh, up until about three months ago when I uh, brought someone else on to kind of help me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with because the thing is, I've always been crap at data and um spreadsheets and yeah, databases okay. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, which is obviously very, very important with something like EduDate. Um, so I mean I mean I was managing it myself uh up until then. Like I had a little bit of help off my girlfriend at various points, yeah. but essentially it was me. And then uh yeah. So the last so, three um, months. I guess so the last question, you know, I'm a married
1: man, so I'm not looking for a date, but um how does the you know, obviously you log in, you look for people, but the actual physical event you organize, what, what does that look like for people listening? Describe it
0: to me. So in the last two to three months, we're transitioning from running the online events into now where you have the more traditional galleries on there, whereby okay. you would have galleries with profiles and then you can click on a profile and you can send that person an instant message. Right. So that's that's where we've transi- tra- uh, transitioned to, but we are still going to run events. So we've got like an online portal yeah. where like we're going to have like video and text events and all these kind of things, but we haven't run one yet. So it'll be okay. interesting to see how that goes. I guess
1: I've got my final uh, kind of school leader type question, I suppose, from an, an egg tech perspective, or just in general, maybe... a. Something you've already considered, but safeguarding—how do you protect the right and wrong people signing up? You know, what what if I'm a bit of a, I've yeah. got a bit of a dark side, and uh, you know whatever else?
0: Uh, what what kind of protocols have, have you got in place? So there's three things really. The first thing is when people sign up, they have to verify their account by um, including a link to another social media account, which is I mean, usually we ask for a professional one, so LinkedIn, for example. Yeah. And then uh, that's quite a good way initially. Yeah, collecting credit card details and stuff like that, I suppose. So so at the moment with the galleries, the galleries are only open to priority members, which means there's payment verification. Um, and all the priority galleries are password protected. So anonymity, right from the word go, has been an absolutely crucial issue for me because I know when I very first started, there was some... Questions, criticisms online, as you, as you get when you start anything, to be fair, especially on mm-hmm. edgy Twitter, But, you know, there were people saying, oh, this could happen. So I actually thought very carefully about that in terms of, like, how to do that. So now we've transitioned, for example, away from the exchange of phone numbers. Um, so no one has to exchange a phone number with another person. It's all automated. It's all mm-hmm. on edgyday via EduDate, yeah. via the website. Um, but the verification, there's payment verification, there's social media verification, and also there is a um, – so there is – even though we've got 5,000 members, a proportion of those members, I ask for um, a photograph of their ID. Mm-hmm. So okay. they have to actually so... provide – they have to actually provide. But to, to be honest, when you're doing it yourself and it's, and it's more a manual process, you can – and you've been on social media long enough to know as well, is when you, 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 you start to pick up the warning signs, you know. Yeah, and plus yourself. it's a big job for you to be doing on
1: your own, full stop. And while you're still teaching, it's uh, a significant work pressure, I will know. Uh, let, let's swap to Teachers Radio. Uh, so tell us, uh, give us a 30-second lift pitch. What is it? Um,
0: how can people get involved if they're not sure about it? Teachers Talk Radio, biggest audio platform for teachers in the UK, Uh, 50-plus people involved, 30-plus volunteer hosts. Um, It is voluntary. Um, The hosts uh, all have their own shows. Uh, They produce content that's available live and as a podcast. I think that's what's unique about Teachers Talk Radio is all the shows are live. We do have some recorded segments. But ninety percent plus of what's there is happening when you're hearing it. Um, the yeah, the aim really is to inform. It, it's to entertain. It's to offer analysis. It's to offer things that are happening now. Unlike a podcast that might be recorded and then it might come out a week or two weeks later or whatever it is. Teacher Talk Radio is there. It's in the moment. It's happening, and it allows perhaps a, a slightly different medium. So um, obviously well. it's topical
1: provocations,
0: yeah. you know, all that type of stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, and the host, you know, d- generates their own agenda, I guess, to to draw in their own viewers and or listeners, I should say.
0: Absolutely, and you know, it's. I mean, the host can control the content that they want to put out and they want to talk about. And uh, you know, I've been part of it myself, and
1: I, I listen to it when I can. So you got all the jingles. Uh, you know, who who's the person doing
0: all the voiceovers and all the so that's Gra- audio? That's our Graham, uh, Graham Collum, who is a voiceover voice. A voice uh, he's actually a mate from uni who I went to uni right. with. So uh, I knew he was a voiceover artist when I started Teachers Talk Radio. So I, so last February, I was like, "Oh, do you fancy doing?" And he did it and he's, yeah, he's well So they're all
1: recorded, aren't they? Or or I guess he's not sitting there doing it live. No, no, they're all recorded. The jingles
0: are recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't want to repeat that six times in 90 minutes. So is the the show
1: on 24-7 pretty much?
0: No. So there's a schedule. Um, I mean, obviously you can follow the podcast on Spotify or whatever and you can get all the the shows. Mm -hmm. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, all of them. And you can listen to everything back. But there's a schedule. So at the moment, Monday to Friday, it's eleven a.m. till twelve, midday. It's four p.m. Oh, sorry, six p.m. through to ten p.m. So uh, eleven till twelve, and then six till ten, Monday to Friday. Saturday and Sunday is slightly different, but yeah. And there's always
1: room for another another host.
0: There is absolutely room for another host. So not yeah, that Ross, I'm, I'll, not that I'm offering yet. But I'll I'm, text, I'm, I'm you, like, text you. I'll text you after family. this. and <laughs> – Right, yeah. I want to.
1: Uh, I want to stir your beans. I suppose I want to talk about toxic culture. Uh, I want to talk about Ofsted, which I know will drive you a bit mad, and then we'll talk about the the, the highs and lows of Edgy Twitter. So, and then by then you'll be ready to uh, strangle me. So, um, let's <laughs> talk about uh, toxic schools first. So, we we did an event a while ago, which was quite a popular, one wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, in the pandemic, a lot of people coming online. I guess for. A bit of solace or comfort, or it's not just me—all that type of stuff. Um, so tell us, you know, your your own. I know you've got your own journey also, uh, and I know you talk to a lot of people online. Uh, what are the kind of not so nice things about education that you see and hear a lot?
0: Mate, I could go on. I could go on for about an hour on that. Um, I mean, there's still huge issues with uh, fault with with. The what are the kind of, of
1: reoccurring things that k- keep? coming up, ones that, you know, are the most popular topics?
0: I think a lot of it comes down to people being treated unfairly, people being treated as not human, um, people being treated as robots or machines. Um, mm. And I think that, that seems to come up a lot and is reflected in the decisions that are made regarding different individuals or, or, or people within schools.
1: And is it exclusive to maybe challenging schools, or is it any type of school? No,
0: no, no. It's any. I, I mean, you know, like yourself. it's schools school can be the yeah. most toxic schools in the world because the pressure for the teachers to produce and to to keep going at the same rate as as can intense. So mm-hmm. it can it can it doesn't matter. It's 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 purely about the culture and the environment in the school, the the leadership, the way. No school's perfect though. Like, no, well, someone might someone might sit there and say, Oh, I work in a toxic school. I made like a toxicity, yeah, no, I have seen it. yeah, like, circle useful, yeah. thing because I thought, you know what? The reason I made that is some people say, Oh, I work in a toxic school. Do you? What What happened? Da, da, da. Right. Well, that's one instant. That's one instant that impacted you. But what's the bigger picture? What's yeah, happening in the school? Cultural who, thing. Yeah, yeah. Who else is it affecting? So I think that's important to distinguish, and even even poor experiences aren't doesn't necessarily make it a toxic school, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: So I guess it's uh, helping. You know, I guess what the the graphic is you've got, and maybe we'll stick it on the podcast is there signposting that kind of cultural stuff, you know, not just a, a, maybe a one-off bullying episode, but things that are a bit more institutional. Yeah exactly that that group think behavior maybe i'll behave this way because the head teacher expects me to do xyz even though i don't really believe in that decision or definitely
0: a way of working there is Um, a cult there is a cult like thing with it isn't there there's a bit of a cult like you know well there are people in the system you know in any industry not
1: just teaching but there are people that quite enjoy going off and telling someone off and mm -hmm. calling them out for whatever reason um what, what advice would you have for maybe a teacher who thinks they might be in a you know they've seen your graphic i think that's definitely me i guess two key questions what are your tips for them to survive and and a tip for maybe moving on and and kind of getting to another job
0: um i mean really the key thing for me would be move if you can and and trust your gut so if if someone sat there for two weeks, every single day, going, I am literally dreading going into this place tomorrow, then don't waste any more time. If you can, get out. Now, I think that, and I've, I have talked about this in one of my online courses on teacher well-being, and one of the bits in there is about what to do if you're within the situation and you can't leave or can't get out. So how do you challenge toxicity from within? Which is a more complex thing, which might involve taking notes and making sure that you're recording every conversation or every event that happens, handwritten notes are fine with the dates and the conversation, maybe some quotes in there as well. And then being able to take that after a month, after 30 days to the leader of the school or whoever the person you feel most comfortable going to is with a trusted colleague or a union rep, maybe, but. You know, it could be a, just a trusted colleague, and going there and challenging, the, challenging it, and saying, "Listen, I, this has to stop, and this is why. Here's here's my evidence." And then, obviously, if they don't take that seriously, and if they don't want to um, uh, do that, there are professional organisations that can help. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm not I'm not being funny, but you'll have seen that. You know that I have seen reports of employment tribunals in the last few years where people have left an organisation, they've taken them to court, or they've Gone down that avenue, and they've received a huge payout for damages caused by. I I think we've become institutionally in teaching used to certain mm-hmm. behaviours and certain practices that, in the outside world, maybe in a legal even in a legal sense, they would look at less kindly than than we have normalized it to be within so within give, the. Profession. Could you give us an example? So maybe expecting to you know
1: write some reports. It's just a done thing that you're going to write two or three hundred reports in a secondary school a year but not necessarily be given time to do so so it's assuming that you'll do those after school hours have you got another example perhaps
0: um I mean yeah I, I think um being treated uh, differently to everyone else um by the way you've spoken to or by the way maybe timetabling or you know uh, it it would have to be a combination of different things wouldn't it but being taught feeling like someone's being targeted not feeling like but being targeted because it does happen mm-hmm. um i think that and obviously being being funnelled out of of a job or being put under unnecessary pressure for no reason it could be a whole number of things it could be you know being asked to do x y z it it, mm-hmm. it could be a whole number of things
1: really um and you mentioned it's uh, you know institutionalized I suppose or it's become part of our DNA in, in some respects I guess you know when I thought when I think back about my leadership and perhaps your own you very rarely get training for that job where you're in charge of other people and there's lots of mistakes you'll make along the way until you refine your own uh, rhythm your own style of doing things your learned behaviors from other people uh, I guess my question is um if if you thought that potential school leaders could receive some kind of formal training or qualification to become a leader, who would do it? What would it be? What would what you know? What kind of things in this regard would it contain
0: um, to help kind of maybe break that chain? I mean, that's that's a key point, isn't it? I mean, I took on a TLR like. A year or two in which is actually pretty late nowadays for what people seem to be doing it's like a month in do you want to be head of the department you know yeah. and it's but i i felt at that time out of my depth you know i, I was thrust into a team of 16 people 17 people because it was the skills curriculum for year seven that i was managing and i had to run meetings with people who, who were like 20 30 years my senior uh some of them didn't want to teach what i was now leading Mm-hmm. Uh, and it and I had to learn on the job with that, and you know you make massive mistakes like, and that should, and then that makes you feel rubbish. But actually, yeah. if you'd have had the proper training, you, you'd have avoided those situations it's or a pro- a de-
1: well, def- It's a deficit model, isn't it? Really, it's not. Um, I guess you know that that keeps repeating itself, and then uh, we lose good people, or, I suppose, d- or, or we leave
0: with a bit of frustration that we can't do a job very well. Do you know what's funny though? We need we need more classroom teachers than we need leaders now. That's that's what yeah. we need. So why why are we promoting people so fast through this system? I know people well, want them. Yeah, move up. Some we need alternative.
1: Schools, yeah, some schools may be desperate to obviously fill a role and a responsibility. Um, all right, let's switch topics. Let's come to Ofsted now. So uh give us your latest beef, I suppose, on our inspection what watchdog. Um there's
0: I mean I mean I think that. I think the fact they did away with the whole emphasis on data was a a good thing. However, we're still in the same situation where we've got a two-day inspection based on, what, curriculum maps, like conversations about the curriculum. Anyone can – I'm not being funny, but if you've got the gift of the gab and if you are – um if you are great at making lovely graphics and if you're great at using all the buzzwords like you know all the classic but i could write like 20 now from cognitive science that i could list out to you if you're good at all those things then i'm not being funny that surely gives you a better chance in inspection is it right that that gives you a better chance absolutely not it should be it and actually we could list a million different flaws about it the contextual issues about it i know Bet mary Bausted mentioned this in a book about how, you know, we're still in the situation, even now, where the more leafy school you work in, the better chance you've got of getting a good Ofsted grade. It's still happening. So people, we you know, I know you've said this for years and, and many people have said this is still happening. It hasn't changed. So why is that? Because I thought the whole curriculum drive was going to change that. And suddenly, you know, we were going to start seeing um you know outstanding judgments for schools that that, that who well, I, I guess might you take away if
1: you, we take away the data conversation if my pupils in my leafy school are of a certain demographic they're potentially yes. also of a certain cultural capital yes uh, my current issue is if I as an inspector quiz the pupils their work in memory and all that shebang, uh, the curriculum intention on paper is or isn't clear because the pupils can recall in that high-stakes scenario. Now, if I've got a, low, a high or a low cognitive load, and depending on what the inspector asks, I guess, uh, determines what's written on that report and what the inspector thinks about the curriculum uh, outcomes, I suppose, so that, so
0: that intent implementation impact part. Um, there's, all, there's 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 all There's lots of ways to manipulate cohorts and to present cohorts in certain ways. Um, let, let's just switch back to the leadership
1: conversation then. So we've got a lot of potential toxic stuff going on. I believe to be a Ofsted inspector to the work in a certain type of school. Um, is there, a, uh, what are your views on scope for Ofsted allowing school leaders who work in maybe RI or inadequate schools to become inspectors? Would that be a...
0: Well, I don't trust. I'm the wrong. I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't trust the gradings. So I couldn't care less if someone. I couldn't care less if someone works in an inadequate or outstanding school. I'm the wrong person to ask. When I see celebrations with balloons and stickers and everything about Ofsted grades, it drives me nuts. So I'm the wrong person to ask because I. You you know, you can have you can have the best leader in the world working in an inadequate school. They have one dodgy inspection, and suddenly they're they're there for five years working in a so-called rubbish school. Mm -hmm. So, So, um, you know, yeah, you and I have been here
1: uh, many times before. So I guess for listeners, you know, um, Tom and I are are quite big advocates for, you know, challenging the reliability of Ofsted grades, I suppose. Um, So if I put you in a corner, is that the one thing you'd like to see fixed or is it something else?
0: I think it would be a massive... If we could strip out the Ofsted grades, I think it would be a huge step forward. Absolutely huge step forward. I think it would transform... um, Transform so much. I think it would it would let overnight. And you know what? It costs no money. Yeah, it no, should it just would be it taken out. Have up. a big impact.
1: Right, let's do what one more controversial topic, and then I'll go gentle and get your heart rate back slowing down <laughs> Right, let's swap to ed-
0: edgy Twitter. Give us some highs and lows of your edgy Twitter life to date. Uh, I mean the highs is just the net worth that you can gain from it. The people that you meet. I wouldn't know you without Twitter. Um, mm. Just put the. the the huge opportunities for anyone on there. I mean, if you have an idea or if you have some thoughts or if you have more than, if you're creative, if you're a creative person, then what an amazing outlook for that. Um, You know, and I think the high would be that, is the connections, the networks, the opportunities. Mm -hmm. The low is obviously that, you know, and you, I know you've experienced this, is when people do stuff whatever it is. I saw a tweet, actually, yesterday, two days ago, from someone saying something like, oh, um teachers who, uh oh, I can see this person's come up with this and it's, it's pathetic or whatever and, you mm-hmm. know, blah, blah, blah. And all it was is an idea, take it or leave it. If someone mm-hmm. does something, you don't like it, you don't have to buy it, you don't mm-hmm. have to engage, you don't have to I think one of the low points for me is just hating on. Is, is the hating on other people, other people's ideas, other people's success? Uh, yeah,
1: it's a tough one. I mean, I, I know it, you know in the earlier days of Twitter, I suppose um, can ruin your weekend for sure. Um, I, I guess you've got to start. Filtering, you get hardened. You,
0: you do. Get you get hardened hardens- to it, though. I mean, me now, I'm just hardened. I was chatting to someone a couple of months back, and. She was upset about something that had happened on Twitter, and um, you know she was really upset, and um, and she said to me, "How how how'd you do?" Like I said that what you've just shown me has been said to you. That to me is like one out of like ten comments that might happen over a week or whatever or a month, mm-hmm. you know. And if I had, and I probably would have when I first started, I would have had that same reaction probably as this mm-hmm. person had. So, I guess, but, but the, the, you get you grow hard into it. I don't know if that's right or wrong or a good thing well, or a bad that thing. That was
1: the question Is that is it right or wrong? And you know, the, the status of the profession, how people use social media. You know, the I mean,
0: to be fair, you know, anyone can come across bad on Twitter because of the tone of of, of it. You know, you write in text in limited in number of characters, so anyone could come across. I think the difference for me is where factually someone does or says something that is just just terrible. You know, that's that's the difference for me. Anyone can be misunderstood, anyone can, you know, write in a tone that some people don't like. You know, that's mm-hmm. not I mean that's that's any you know, be the same as people writing letters to each
1: other. Sure. So um obviously you were how long you've been on Twitter now? A good ten years getting close? No. No. No
0: twenty Less. twenty end of twenty fifteen. Right, okay. So I joined Twitter. In, well seven
1: years not bad it not bad innings. Um yeah, so um, <laughs> the the wonderful world of Twitter. Right, let, let's switch to, uh, no, you're a history teacher, we haven't talked about history. Tell us uh, why history and, you know, what you're into particularly, and uh, you've got a, a history of, not a history, you've got a network of history teachers, also that history icon stuff that you do. So yeah. uh, three questions, uh, why history? Tell us what you're up to in particular topics of history and your teaching, and then
0: Tell us about TM History Icons, I think it's called. That's right. Um, yeah, no, I've, I still love teaching history. I still I still really enjoy it. Um, I mean, anything anything, uh, kind of 20th century is my bag. Um, I'm not a massive fan of, like, the Stone Age. Um, <laughs> so all, all the kind of curriculum redesigns of, like, oh, let's bring in something about, like, how rocks were created, I, I that doesn't inspire me. But equally... You know, I think obviously I'm interested in history. I'm interested in all history and I enjoy teaching it all. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, anything twentieth century is my kind of bag. And then uh yeah, TM History Icons um is a grassroots teach me network. Obviously, we've got other subjects as well on Teach Me Icons, if you just search for it. Yeah, you got we've got 10 subjects on there now. So is that uh, um,
1: it's a teach meet on a particular subject matter, isn't it?
0: That's right, it's subject-specific teach meets essentially, and, and they're free for teachers to attend. And you do them all over the country or just in the Northwest? So, at the moment, the face-to-face events are in Manchester. Uh, If you go on the website, you can see we've got some upcoming. The next one's in September. It's the English one, which will be a big one. Right. So, you're
1: you're quite a busy man, to be fair.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it's – yeah, basically, yeah. Um, I mean, I finished my last teaching contract last week. So, um, up until – I was doing a teaching contract – up until so last next, week. and then
1: What's next for you then? next, I don't next know. Year or so.
0: I, d- I don't know. I, I I mean, I'm in a great position where I'm going to take on. I, I wouldn't take on a permanent full-time contract now at the moment because of my mm-hmm. other commitments. So, um, yes, yeah, so I'm open. If anyone needs a, a history teacher for a few weeks in the Northwest from September, then give me a shout. Right, there you go. Right. Um, so
1: we're well past my 20 minute barrier, which is a uh, good go. We've got lost in our conversation. But at the end of my show, I like to just ping loads of if you're old enough, Tom, to remember Timmy Mallet. You know, don't pause or hesitate. Um, I'm going to ping things your way and see how you get on. So we'll start easy. Um, so what, what are you working on today before we spoke? Uh, Edge of Day Teachers Tour Radio. OK. Uh, what book are you reading for fun?
0: uh non don't read for fun only read non-fiction right what are you reading uh nothing i'm reading the screen <laughs> right now um that says R- riverside and has your face on it Teacher okay. talking.
1: Um, if i was education secretary of state i would finish the sentence
0: um make a teacher the education secretary so resign yeah, myself so and give I'll, it to I'll... someone else uh, what
1: would be your dream job so if you if you wasn't a history teacher or wasn't a data or a I'll be honest
0: with you I've was... got I've got the dream job which is a combo of history teacher slash all the other stuff the creative right stuff, you're living the doing. dream okay yeah.
1: biggest career
0: achievement to date Oh, goodness me um probably probably continuing to be a teacher in year 14, year 15.
1: Okay, that's pretty good. If we went to Valencia together for
0: 24 hours, what would we do? What would we see? Oh, amazing. Uh, tapas, Australia, Bolivia, uh, Spanish people. Yeah, it would be amazing. Right, Beat be uh, Brit, be Britain every time. Yeah, carry on.
1: <laughs> uh, right. Uh, who would you recommend I interview next and why? Come on, you know lots of people...
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to think of think of someone who I find interesting, and why? Let me think. Let me think. Oh God! Um, do you know what? I can't pick one person. I, there's so many right. I could pick. I might come back to that. Right. If I was,
1: if um, uh, back to edgy date. Have you have you managed to secure a successful date
0: yourself? I, I have a girlfriend, so I've <laughs> I've been with her now for. Um, Did you meet on edgy date? No, so, no, she's not a teacher. She works in HR. Right.
1: Okay. Well, I was trying to get you a ringing endorsement there for Edgy Day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, this might be a controversial one for you, but what's your favourite radio show
0: on your teachers' radio? Have I I, was, I thought I wish you'd ask. What's my favourite radio station? Because it's teachers' talk radio. Is my favourite teacher, teacher radio that you like radio listening
1: station. to, or is that putting you in a corner?
0: Uh, I'll be honest. There's a hell of, I, I enjoy them all for different reasons. And that's a genuine answer. (laughs) Good answer. Good answer. Uh, right. Uh, let, let me finish, uh, with a big
1: one then. So, you know, in in many years time, what would you hope to be your legacy? I suppose as as an educator doing all these different things.
0: I I don't really, I, I I don't really think about my, my leg. I haven't really thought about that. If I'm honest with you, I, I just want to enjoy what I'm doing, carry on working hard, carry on trying to make a difference in whatever way I think is the best or I enjoy doing the most or whatever, and then see see where that leads. Yeah, I mean, you've got um, your Twitter, you're on 51 plus uh, thousand
1: followers. So you've got a little army of people that are interested in what you're doing and what you're saying. So that's um, that's a little bit of an impact there. Um, and I'm sure you're on I your guess, other channel... Yeah, I mean, obviously we know Twitter can be a little bit fickle, but you, you you're doing, you know, the radio show's is a great success. The the dating stuff I saw you yeah. got it picked up in the in the press when it came out. So you're definitely moving mountains, and I guess you know those side hustles give you a bit of autonomy and allow you to um, stay away, I suppose, from that toxic stuff, which I know has scarred you once or twice. Uh, and you're still dabbling with it, or I guess I guess it would it be fair to conclude that you're a a uh, looking for love in terms of the right school.
0: Um, yeah, to part-time I think role history yeah, that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair to say. Although you know, I'll see how everything develops. I just don't know what's going to happen in the next year or two. And right, well, we might put the podcast then looking for love in history
1: as as a podcast title. <laughs> we'll see. Right, Tom, it's been great to catch up with you. All Thank right, you for Ross, nice all one. your time. Uh, have a well. I might see you Saturday. You never know. And um, uh, have a good summer if not. Uh, Thanks for your cheers. Cheers, mate. All right. See you later.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To continue the conversation, head over to www.teachertoolkit.co.uk and our social media channels to access all the links and resources mentioned on today's show. Why not share this with your colleagues and give them the gift of time, reduced workload, and increased impact? Until the next time, before you look after your students, look after yourself.